passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Post Wrestling, and it is a pleasure to welcome this man back. He is the CEO of MLW, which you can catch on Vice TV that we will discuss, on BN Sports, FUBU Sports. He is all over the place. Future specials coming to DAZN, the king to my fish, Court Bauer, returning (laughs) to Post Wrestling. Court, how are you? Ah, man, it's good to be back here with you. It's been a, it's been a long time and glad to finally do this with you. And uh, and uh, during uh, a moment when MLW is going from one season and getting ready for the next season. Let's start there. When did you make the decision to have this this break and have Wednesday's season finale that would then we would get this bridge before the comeback July 10th? Did it kind of coincide with once you were ready to go ahead with a live event? Well, it's weird because during the pandemic, you definitely have, we at least had a moment to pause and kind of evaluate a lot of things. And we were looking at this where we could end this, uh, the the most recent cycle of TV um, with a big punctuation and take a break or just the show goes on and you keep going. And we kind of were like, you know what, to do another cycle without fans uh, and to start with Vice with that is such a awkward introduction and for us we wanted to do some production upgrades we wanted to take time to finish uh, some contracts for, for new talent coming in and stuff so to kind of take a break for you know eight weeks and and test doing like an off season I was like let's do it because during the pandemic you can kind of get weird and experiment out of necessity and we might we might kind of do an off season moving forward where i don't know if it would be really like May to to July. It could be, you know, June to September. I'm not sure what it would be if we did it. And I don't know if we'll do it. But now we're kind of looking at that. It's like just to rest this, the machine, give the fans a breather, build anticipation to come back. It's kind of an interesting idea. People have theorized about it forever, but no one's done it. Mm-hmm. We might be able to do that now. And and with our with our partners, they're kind of into the idea of doing that. And you bridge the gap with, you know, best ofs and different types of concepts like this this open drafting we're going to do so we'll see where we take it it's kind of a a, an experiment in motion you've talked about in the past of when it comes to mapping out long-term stories and i think that was crystallized with the the cliffhanger at the end of the season finale a big payoff if you've been following for the past year in terms of uh, throughout this this period like how far ahead are you looking at things and has the pandemic allowed you to look further? Have you had to uh, shorten that, that kind of long-term thinking because of so many variables in play? No, we actually committed to a very long kind of term plan. And there were things we did during uh, the pandemic era. We're still in the pandemic, but the empty arena era that we would never do during normal times. You saw a lot of funky finishes 
but we didn't have a crowd uh, paying for this content. We didn't have anyone paying for it. It's available for free on BN and YouTube and Fubo Sports and stuff. So we figured let's get creative because we, we wanted to elongate some feuds or hold things back, the big money things where you can actually generate maximum revenue and when you can have a crowd and things for returning to normal. So we had to take creative kind of uh, um, alternate routes. And and by doing that, it, it kind of created new characters, Badge Kruger being one of them, who we're really thrilled with. And I'm really excited to, to kind of see where he goes next. Um, and the promotion on his Dorado story started last June with the return of Selena after a mysterious absence. And she said in that Pulp Fusion digital short, uh, don't ask where I've been, ask what I've done. And that was the first breadcrumb for what would end up being the season finale that aired last night. And over the summer, Conan would drop hints that she's been, you know, she owed a lot of dangerous people, a lot of money and you better be careful. And that slow burn, which we always have done, uh, this was the slowest burn we probably ever will do, but uh, it had a rewarding payoff. When it comes to like, this is not just, you know, starting something from scratch. You're now introducing existing characters from a different universe, for lack of a better term, in Lucha Underground. Uh, give me a glimpse of some of the logistical elements to this of bringing in uh, someone like a Dario Cueto. And yeah. I'll start off. Um, can he be Dario Cueto with that name? Like, t- tell me a little bit about kind of merging these worlds. Great together. question. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's, you know, you go from Nash and Hall, who were Razor Ramon and Diesel to WCW, sometimes you have to make some IP adjustments. And so that's what we'll do here with this. Uh, his new name, uh, which I will, uh, I will hold on telling you what it is, but it might leak because, you know, so these things just end up getting out, but he will have a new name, but you know, there, there will, it'll be very true in spirit to the, the person that, and, and mischief and chaos and violence he conjured up elsewhere. Um, it's, it's, it was a fascinating process to go through just shooting that scene alone. Uh, we shot some other stuff and continue to over the, the course of the next few months. Um, we shot that on a very skeleton. We're shooting everything on skeleton crews because of the pandemic. Even though people are vaccinated, we want to mm-hmm. just try to to do what we can to you know minimize risk. And so we shot that in Burbank um, about almost a month ago, and we had everyone—the cinematographers, sound guys, PAs, you name it—they all signed NDAs. Everyone had non-disclosure agreements because I wanted this to be as tight. Uh, of a of a of a of a shot as or as a shoot as possible, um, you know. People look at like the the end of season two of Mandalorian with Luke Skywalker. Like no one knew the surprise. They taped it like a year in advance or something, mm-hmm. and it really was a skeleton crew. And like that was kind of in the same spirit of what we did. It's we we, we I saw that I was like yeah that's exactly how I want this. I want this airtight. So people probably were like okay we're connecting the dots. This is who it is. But until you see it, you don't know if you're going to get that payoff. So we wanted people guessing. We wanted people wondering. And we wanted the element of surprise for the creative and then the reveal. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and he's Louise is fantastic to work with. And we're, we're thrilled to have uh, closed a deal with him to be with us for many years to come. 
when you first approached him, um, you know, this is not someone who prior to Lucha Underground had any wrestling background. Right. Uh, was it, was he pretty open to the idea of revisiting the, this character that, I mean, within wrestling, uh, right. g- gained a lot of popularity during those seasons? You know, I, I think people probably don't realize I, w- I worked in a, in a different capacity uh, back in the day with uh, Lucha Underground, and I, I served as the president of AAA's American Endeavors. <laughs> I think it was a slightly different title. I have to look at an old business card. But uh, I was, I kind of was a, not in a, ever in a creative capacity at Lucha Underground, never. Uh, that was all inside the wild mind of Krista Joseph and his team. But you know, I was around it. And I saw that, that, that the energy for, for, for what that property was. Uh, and I didn't really know Luis, just you know, met him in passing. And, uh, he was, he just commanded an audience, just a great actor. I mean, whether you've seen him in Curb Your Enthusiasm on the most recent season or other stuff he's done, he, he's really good. And, uh, and in talking with him, you get this, you got the sense that, yeah, there was unfinished business and he really loved the character. And mm-hmm. so, I think for someone that uh, had that chance to to have so much fun and be the epicenter of a series, it really was a big breakout role in some ways for him uh, to be able to kind of be part of the spiritual successor, perhaps, I, I think is fun. Should that final scene be interpreted as the end of the Selena De La Renta character? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it was the perfect kind of story arc for she saw her, you know, come into the company really at one shot and grow this incredible uh, stable or this promotion, promotion is Dorada within MLW, very ambitious, accomplished a lot of things, was ruthless. And there was no one really ever in her way. She was the boss. And then when her business fell into financial um, peril, uh, a, a shadowy character emerged to 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 uh, help her with her situation and supply her with luchadors. And uh, for the first time, she was ever in a vulnerable position, and she had to answer to someone. And it was a it was a nice way to kind of freshen things up. And then, of course, she couldn't resist the ambitious ways of her her character, and uh, came to a head when she defied El Jefe, and uh, one thing led to another, and. El Jefe uh, said there would be consequences. So I think it's a perfect send off because it's, there's, there's, there's questions, there's mystery. There's, there, it's, it's a fascinating way to do it. Uh, and something we haven't done in the past. And I think the character deserved a big prominent focus and a great send off in the last scene of, of this era of MLW. What I really enjoyed about all of the lead up to it, you pretty much outlined it, but Sometimes I think uh, promotions can get too tied up in the element of just the surprise and they yeah. mortgage the anticipation and you were able to – if you were following, you could connect the dots and you could anticipate this return but not knowing it for sure and you got that. You still got the surprise factor at the end but you also got to anticipate it for close to a year. Yeah, and what we try to do is be as immersive as possible to our diehard fans. So you have the TV series, and then you know, it's, we have connective tissue like the Pulp Fusion series we ran through June through October. But then if you look at the website, we had add, we had add-on content there that kind of enriched. If you're watching, if you just kept going to MLW.com regularly, you'd see a lot of character development <laughs> happening there to kind of further the stories or, or fill in some of the holes. And so you know, we, we tried to enrich the stories 
give the fans um, what they're looking for. And it is hard, you're right, when it comes to um, giving the fans a quality payoff on something. And this year I've hyped a lot of stuff. Well, two things in particular, uh, that we had signed a deal and that uh, there would be a big payoff for this promotion, this Dorado angle, and we delivered on both of them. And, and that's all you want to do is – if you're gonna if you're gonna bark out there and be a promoter, you know it's your obligation to fulfill that, and because expectations to the fans have the most vivid imaginations more than anyone in the business, and so now their expectation that bar has been you know pumped up ten notches, so now you got to live up to expectations. So it's a dangerous game to play as a promoter. I, I hope fans have been satisfied with what we've delivered in the last four weeks. Also on the the season finale, uh, we we got. Yeah. One of the most creative explanations for Laredo Kid as the AAA <laughs> Cruiserweight Champion. Court, I'm I'm just going to like put it out there. This is one of the most confusing stories that I can't possibly recap. Yeah, but it seemed like you guys tried your best um, while also leaving the uh, your announcers kind of with the voice of the promotion that hey, this is the explanation of Laredo Kid. We don't really co-sign with this, but here is the story, and thus Laredo Kid is the cruiserweight champion. Yeah. I, I really feel like you have to give something to the fans and like, you know, the, the logistics and what happened and everything to, how do you kind of slide that into, into a story and, and, and not diminish people. And, and so, you know, it's happened a million times in the past, you know, Ric Flair brings the real world's title to WWF. We just try to find a plausible way to retcon it. And so in wrestling often is like, you never have the ideal conditions to to turn these things from lemons into lemonade, but you try your best to to, to make everyone uh, whole in that situation. Um, I did have to take some Advil after trying to figure out a way to explain this. I'm not gonna lie. Moving forward, is is AAA and MLW still in like lockstep with with one another? Is was this just like a a hiccup to get through? Oh, you yeah, know, there was there's no there's no issue there. No, no, I talked to them. You know, this I think within the last eight hours, twelve hours, I've been in contact with them. They're, they're, yeah, everything's good to go there. You know, it's funky things happen in wrestling, and you just try to work your. If you're, if you have a good partner, which we do here, you just try to figure out how to find a solution. And sometimes it's a solution for one and not for the other, and you just kind of try to manage it to the best of your abilities. That's all we, we did there. I mean. Uh, Dorian and Conan and, and Laredo were were very good, and so so was Leo, and and so uh, that 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 helps take a lot off of it. So you guys will be back on July 10th in Philadelphia at the 2300 Arena. You've also announced uh, subsequent shows September 11th, uh, Dallas Fort Worth area, mm-hmm. and then November 6th at Cicero Stadium in Chicago, which has been a big market uh, for you guys historically. You have been, you know, very conservative in your return to action. So tell me what have been uh, some of the outside bodies that you've had to work with, uh, specific to the Philadelphia show. I guess we can mm-hmm. start there. Uh, what capacity are you looking for July the 10th and just the preparation for having an event with fans for the first time since last March? So the nice thing about Pennsylvania or New York or some of the other states is they have a governing body in the State Athletic Commission. and uh, Mr. Serb out there in Pennsylvania has done a great job updating us, giving us criteria for running throughout the pandemic when there was a, a moment to run. 
Um, it was very complicated to figure it out. Uh, and we've been working also with our, we have an in-house COVID compliance officer who really makes, it, it takes a lot of the decision-making out of my hands and puts it in his hands on what you, what can you do? What's feasible? What's safe for the talent, the crew, their families, the staff. And, and then when you introduce the concept of bringing fans back, how does that work? And so the 2300 arena also has their COVID compliance officer. I think everyone does now. I'm sure post wrestling has one. And so it's waiting. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, so you, you, you work with them and you just make sure everyone's kind of has you know, the best practices for social distancing. And then of course you have this weird thing happening and it's happening right now in New York where it's like within a few days, I'm not sure if it's 24 hours or next week, but everything's just going to open up wide. Like it's everything's open and there's going to just blow away all the capacity limits. So just standard, everything will be back to standard times. Um, well, the, will the world do a 180? Like what's going on in India? Who's, who, who knows? We don't have a crystal ball. So we're going to, we know that like Philadelphia is going to have, or Pennsylvania is going to have a rolling uh, escalation in capacity and it will go from whatever, 25 to 30%. That's the plan right now. Mm-hmm. And then it will go to maybe 45, 50, whatever. In the week, it could be at a hundred percent. We don't know. Uh, we do, we do know is we're basically sold out. We have a few like, Tickets left at our, at our current capacity. Uh, I expect if we went to 100% capacity, we would sell out. Dallas is at full capacity, um, and and uh, it's already about I think 60% of the tickets are gone for that one, which is insane. Uh, and then Chicago was supposed to actually we were originally looking at possibly starting June 5th in Chicago, but then they rolled back to either Phase Four or Phase Three, which was like. You can only do uh, indoor events in a capacity building of 200 or less. And you can only have like something like, I don't know if it's 20 or 40% capacity. So you're really then, Cicero is disqualified. We already had sold too many tickets. So we were looking at our schedule. That's why we moved it to November, which that poor show has been moved from February 2020 to April of 2020 to June of 2021 to now November of 2021. And I... I'm praying that show does not get moved again. It shouldn't, but it's the, the poor fans of Chicago have been just bounced around by that one. Uh, you've also introduced this uh, open draft, and I find this really interesting because I think one of the the hallmarks for your promotion has been able to go out there and find undiscovered talent, and I mean right. you've you've equated it to Moneyball. This has had to have been a challenging area of your business this past year because of so few shows running. And, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting story is what this past year, the impact it's going to have on talent that have had few, if any matches um, that are not falling on people's radar as a typical year would provide. Yeah. And I think guys too, you, you, you certainly see where you were with the development and evolution of talent and where their instincts are and they're getting there and they're working crowds and they're really they're making immense strides, and then the pandemic hits, and it's like without fans, they've never worked empty arena. It's like all that's gone, and then you have this window where they haven't performed regularly, and they lose the reps. And it's like for a performer to lose that that repetition, that that opportunity to work in front of a crowd at any size or different systems out there. Uh, it really, especially when you're young, it really can stifle progress. So I, I, I definitely, when we've been doing our, our tapings, you definitely sense there was kind of like, we got to shake off some rust. And that doesn't just go for in-ring operationally production. Everyone's just got to get back into that kind of flow. And it doesn't take too long, 
but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe guys like that too. I mean, I think they're just, he's ready to pop off a moonsault the second he gets out of bed in the morning, but the normal guy, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a little harder. Uh, and then, you know, with us doing the draft, it just allows us to fresh up the roster uh, with our with our upcoming uh, vice and, and other deals we have in the mix, which are, are, are going well, uh, we needed to expand our roster. You know, we needed uh, higher profile guys. Uh, we needed to just bulk up, uh, and we'll have of course some prospects, some wild cards, and some international guys in the mix as well. But uh, it was just a great way to kind of bridge the gap between uh, our series finale, our season finale, and July 10th. And kind of reload the roster, keep the fans excited, keep them guessing, and uh, and and do this project with uh, with a sponsor and super super show the game. Are you expecting that uh, July tenth uh, occurs, and then shortly thereafter, that is when new episodes will will be rolling out? How how quickly will will the next season uh, start on television? That's a great question. And we're literally trading emails now trying to pin down like when is that going to happen and, and what their what's their scheduling strategies and they're we don't have a specific day time uh yet locked in, but you know, you kinda have a vague sense for it. Uh part of me loves the idea of you want to hit with the freshest thing. If it happened like two days ago, you want it on the air yesterday. Uh, but then there's the other side of it. It's like the more time you have to upgrade your production, which is a big priority for me, and the more time you have to make that finished product and post-production look really good, then the, the fan gets a better product. So it's kind of like you, know, you just got to look at it the, the best way possible and also got to be a good partner to, to, to your, your new partner in Vice and, and make sure that uh, everything you're doing works for, for their strategies and you maximize the launch. So it would appear from from the outside looking in that one of your big strategies is MLW anywhere and everywhere. Let's get it on as many platforms and you've got some big ones with DAZONE, with Vice, yeah. the existing relationships with Fubo Sports, with BN Sports. Uh, tell me a bit about just, you know, you've been someone that has had countless meetings with television executives over the years. What is the temperature like right now for professional wrestling? Because it seems like there is very much uh, an open view of pro wrestling that doesn't have to be labeled WWE that is seen as, as viable and people want to get into business with. Yeah, I, I think we're seeing just a real interest and a surge in it. Uh, in general, in combat sports and then wrestling with trailer and stuff. It's just it's, it, there's a lot of interesting things that have happened over the last few months. Triller and, and that November pay-per-view was kind of helped bring a lot of eyes, a lot of awareness, a lot of private equity into the space from, from that end, from, from the media rights end. Nick Khan did an incredibly good job of setting the table to linear and streaming services and explaining this is the opportunity in wrestling. This is why it's such a great value proposition to you. And this is why you should want to bid on WWE. Peacock bid and did a Nikon got that one into the end zone and, and got that deal done. But there were a lot of people that were left on the outside looking in and saying, man, he had me sold. We didn't, we didn't ultimately win the bid, but WWE's wrapped up their media rights conversations. Uh, who else is out there? And there's one, there's one organization out there and that's MLW as a free agent that can do these kind of deals. So. In January, when they did that and they formally announced their deal, combined with things kind of starting to heat up and thaw out from the pandemic where budgets were frozen, people just weren't optimistic about committing to big deals. 
um, that's that's when we saw an uptick, and that's when we saw a lot of momentum start for for our conversation. So uh, it's it's it couldn't ask for a better period. Variety recently did an article on kind of the wrestling boom for for media rights. Uh, so it's it's you know everything in this business is always tied to timing. Timing is everything, and we just it's, it's serendipitous that we have really good timing right now. Have you found any you know strong differences that you find when it comes to streaming platforms that are you know it, it just becomes different currency you're dealing with? I mean, yep. it's just volume when it comes to these streaming giants that just want numbers. With linear television, it's you know you have such a a heavy component in terms of advertising as well. Is it a different set of circumstances when you're sitting down and talking to these people and as well, the speed of how a deal can, can move from one versus the other. You know, it, it, I've seen so many people, you know, with the, the word eyeballs in their quotes about this, but a lot of it is based on eyes. It really is. And it, it's also based on uh, linear has a very cautious, conservative, approach to doing deals because of what you laid out advertising how they develop shows it's it's a lot more um kind of set in an older time and on way of doing business where streaming is very much kind of like very entrepreneurial in, in, in its energy it really has a wild west feel to it in terms of just there's a gold rush and everyone wants in on it but they need content and so you're that solution for them and it, it really seemed to be, it was very fascinating to look at the recent rights deals, uh, you know, just across the sports landscape with the NFL that clearly still has a major foothold when it comes to broadcast television. But you're seeing these broadcasters, they all wanted a massive streaming component to it. And I mean, right. the NHL deal with Disney and ESPN, I mean, streaming is a, a massive part of that deal. And I know that you, you have been very bullish on, on the fact of, you know, streaming and, and having those platforms that I think five years from now, we're, we're going to be looking at a, a different landscape. Yeah. I, I think you got, you got to look at the big picture. You want to be in there early. Um, like Fubo Sports Network, um, World uh, Disney has a position in it. Viacom has a position in it. That's going to be a multi-billion-dollar uh, company before you know it. The zone is, in, you know, growing internationally big. Uh, they're kind of restricted here in the U.S. because everyone has the rights, and now Amazon's getting aggressive. So uh, that's where we have a great opportunity to kind of build out something beyond. You know, boxing and, 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 and their other offerings. Uh, so you just have to find ways to, to fit into their, their strategy. And with wrestling hot has a built in audience. It, 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 it is a bit easier. A lot of people look at wrestling too. It's like, well, if you only do a deal here, that means you can't do any deals. You can't talk with anyone. It's like, dude, ESPN here in the States is on, or I'm sorry, NBA here in the States is on, uh, uh, ESPN and TNT, NFL, like you said, is CBS, AB, uh, ABC, ESPN, Amazon. Uh, it, it's everywhere, uh, and and so some people I think just look at it as like, well, you can only have one deal. It's like, look, WWE has Fox and they have Comcast. That's what I'm looking for. We can create new series for for multitude of partners, not just one, and be a good partner to all of them. You know, that's, that is the, that's the rich problem to have. It's like, okay, now you got to be a, a good partner to for Vince, you know, Fox and for Comcast. Well, you know, you can make that happen. 
What's your strategy when it comes to YouTube in 2021? It's such a prominent window, uh, but I imagine it also comes with its its limitations when you're dealing with with the mammoth right. that that it is. Yeah, it's like we we've had more constructive conversations in the last few months. Uh, I still think they're they're having an internal identity crisis because. At one point in the last year or two, we've been talking with them about kind of uh, their how they operate, and, and, and it's very problematic for many wrestling companies. Uh, they had at one time original content division, sports division, where they were about to rev up and be kind of like just they wanted to kind of get in the space of Hulu and and Netflix and and be there, and then. Like overnight, everyone just was gone and they shuttered a lot of those divisions. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to do the YouTube thing like we've always done. So it's like they kind of they kind of go back and forth on what they're going to be. They generate a lot of money. You know, look at the Paul brothers as a great example of that. And, and uh, my kids watch strictly YouTube stuff. And you see what a lot of these guys just playing video games have like Lamborghinis and they have mansions. It's like this thing is generating a megaton of money. For select people, um, is YouTube going to be able to always sustain because of that? Probably. What will it be in 10 years? I can't say. I think the, the world of uh, streaming is probably going to be you know, very competitive and only get more competitive. Uh, and so where does YouTube fit in that in the end, in 5, 10 years? It's hard to say. Uh, but you have a lot of competition with Paramount Plus now entering, really going hard with their live sports uh, play you have peacock of course and shows like they're developing and, and stuff and 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 it's it's endless it's endless and of course disney plus is going to eclipse net uh, netflix and then people a lot of people i talk about or talk with are like you know i used to watch netflix but i don't really watch it like i used to because all these other guys are eating up into you know eating up their 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 content and and taking it back whether it's movies that now are going back to Disney or Paramount, uh, Netflix has to create a lot of original content and they don't do live. And so, you know, there's a million services out there and services people aren't even aware haven't launched yet. And there's a lot of money behind them. So it, it very much is the gold rush era. It's like, there's going to be a lot of fool's gold, but there's going to be a lot of real gold. You just got to kind of work through it and find the best match for you and, and see if it's a sustainable partnership. And timing wise, like I, I think the WWE, I thought they... They cashed out at the right time. I think like this was, I mean, I think they look at the, uh, the lay of the land and we've kind of, we've hit this, this max of our subscribers. It'll grow a little, it'll decrease a little year over year, but it's going to be at this level. And I think, you know, you just look at like the giants that are going to be competing. I think the WWE network made like the right call this year. And it was a deal that, I mean, was very, very favorable to them. Yeah. And it's one of those things where. <sighs> if you're in a position where you're on these investor calls and it's like, let's look at the sub number and you see the graph and it's like, you know, you've, you've probably done a, a ton of these podcasts. We used to do on Bauer and Pollock where it's like, you're looking at the sub number. It has a plateaued. Is there a hockey stick effect? Where, where which way is it going? And at what point does it diminish the value or the value, the value of WWE and its services and that to the point of no return where you can't 
do a deal like they did with Peacock mm-hmm. or, you know, their Peacock's going to see the value and say, well, yeah, but I'm looking at your sub numbers. You, you're, you're, you're ticking down. So you want, you know, there is a point of no return. So this is the moment you're going to, if you're going to do that deal, this is when you do it, when you do it. And I think Nick Khan is going to have a transformative effect for WWE when it comes to these kind of things. On that subject, are you able to comment at all about the, the reports of any discussions, serious or just casual with WWE in regards to MLW in any capacity? No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that stuff, but, um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting time in the world. Uh, there's a lot of things that haven't been done since maybe the seventies within our promotional matches and stuff. Um, we of course would be always intrigued by it, but you have to look and see what's the long-term strategy. Does it align with your goals? Does it align with their goals? Does it, does it ultimately serve the fan, the company, the talent to the best of its ability? Uh, or is it just a quick transactional thing and you're just looking for the clout, the headlines? Uh, okay. Uh, for me, I look at this and it's like, well, I'm not even done with my media rights deals. I know the valuation of my company is going to only go up. I am not interested in selling not having any conversations about selling. So when, okay, then that's step one. Strategically, how do you have the, how does it connect? How does it mesh? How does it sync up? Or what are the, what's the upside? What are, what's the downside? Those kind of things you, you evaluate and you see if there is a fit. And if so, you, you move forward. And if you find it's not, it's then the conversation disqualifies itself and you go in a different direction. Um, we've had those kind of conversations with some other folks and we've had them with a lot of people. It's just, some you'll find it works better. Some it's, it's a now or, or maybe it's, maybe it's a later kind of conversation. It's, it's, it's always right now in wrestling. Everything's fluid. Everything's just moving lightning fast. There are times I remember when we would do the podcast, <laughs> I just like, man, we got to come up with a list of things to talk about. It's kind of quiet. There'd be weeks where you just, you know, there's always something to talk about, but you're really happy. The fans are sending in questions because <laughs> it was slow. And now everything's so fast. It's like, how do you keep up with everything? And that's the biggest goal I have right now is like, how do I maximize awareness for the company? So we're not the best kept secret in the game anymore. We know the promoters watch us and they try to take the talent or they take the ideas. But how do we how do we actually get the fans on a larger scale, casual fans to know about us? Deals like Vice Health, deals like the zone, which is in you know, 80 or no, 200 plus uh, territories. Those kind of things are meaningful. We're in 20 plus countries independent of that. Uh, and some of the other things I'm working on. That's kind of my focus now, especially during the off season where I now have uh, expanded ba- bandwidth to work on that kind of stuff because I'm working. I'm not working on post production and working on other stuff with the wrestling ops. It, would it be a challenge for you? Because you know you mentioned how fluid the industry is, and this is not specific to any one company. But if if someone presented you with like this interesting idea of working together, you have a lot of your long term story planning. Etch, pretty much etched in stone are you nimble enough that you can adjust plans uh when you you're trying to lock in things long term but again something could just show yeah. up at your doorstep and it presents a different idea a different direction sure and 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 that is the challenge you have i mean you can always you can always find a way around it it's probably not as difficult as laredo kid having the world cruiserweight title uh, <laughs> there's nothing as hard as that situation um uh, but yeah, I mean, I look at it also, it's like, well, I have Vice. We're about to roll out phase, well, we're going to roll out phase two, uh, this summer. And it's like, so you're, you're going to be, and, and there's potential for other things to happen soon around then too. So it's like, 
if you're rolling out MLW to a larger audience who's never seen the product, and all of a sudden, oh my God, it's an invasion, or oh my God, it's a it's a it's a crossover event with another promotion. It's like now you're really confusing your stories, the the the, the big picture mission you have to when you started this thing. It's like it can get very kind of convoluted and complicated. Um, so it's kind of like you just gotta see how things play out, and if it's like ultimately you have to put out the best product you can but also has to everyone has to know oh that's that's the authentic mlw product oh there's these guys from other places and things are happening but you first gotta have that baseline foundation if you don't have that and you just caught shot and go into like craziness like you know there's crossover and oh my god this guy won so this guy won this belt and he's going over there fans are never going to know on a larger scale than most casual fans that probably don't listen to wrestling podcasts what the hell is going on what is mlw i'm so confused who's what and what's going on and who do I care? Why am I invested in, in rooting for them and, and this invasion or this price, or this crossover crisis thing or whatever? Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a creative conundrum in that you really have to see if it really aligns with the big picture. And also, how you know are your partners? How do they feel? Whether it's Vice or someone else, are they going to be you know thrilled about it if they've just put marketing dollars into saying this is Jacob Fatu, this is Alex Hammerstone? Tune in and watch. And they're seeing half the show eaten up by something else. So there's a lot of – it's a complicated thing. Um, so, yeah, it's just, <laughs> that's the best answer I guess I can give on it. I've got two final questions. You've been very generous with your time, Court. Uh, yes. You brought up Triller. And I find it to be this really interesting experiment that mm-hmm. – especially their last show. I mean it was – a car crash, but one that had a ton of attention that weekend. Yes. And, and I would say anyone in your position should be watching this and taking lessons, whether lessons learned or things to, to avoid. But I would imagine like this is something you, you have followed. What do you think has been uh, the key traits that have been so appealing that, that Triller has able to, uh, to hone in on with an audience that is probably not boxing fans. I think it would be a mistake to look at this just in the context of a boxing show. It's like boxing broke out at a weird party. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, wait, there's boxing. Holy shit. And it was a weird experience because like our our play-by-play guy, Ray Flores, was their play-by-play yes. guy. And yes. so he was doing the prelims and uh, and then had a conversation with Ryan Kavanaugh. And I'm texting during the whole night. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And I'm just you know giving feedback and trying to help as he navigates like a very – distinctly different show that no one even you look at the tyson fight in uh november it was nothing like the show that just aired a few weeks ago which was just so it was nuts it was so gonzo and wild and it was you know it was different and it was you know some of it was funky and some of it just is there a long-term appeal to it i i don't have the answer the it reminds me so much i was talking to Meltzer about this uh i don't know right after the show hit Reminds me a lot of the New Year's Eve shows that used to air, you know, like Pride and K1 and stuff, where it's like you'd have a celebrity fight and then you have someone singing and they do this, the, the Japanese ceremonial New Year's thing. And it's just like it was like a just a, like a, a wild, like kind of hodgepodge of everything culturally in like this big combat gumbo. And, and it, you know, I, I, there was things that just went a little long, like the music sets were very long. Uh, they were very broad and true. They tried to appeal to a little bit too much for everyone, maybe, but uh, it got everyone talking and it did killer business. Is it, is it something that's going to just be, uh, you know, 
cool for six months or six years. I can't say, but I do know it's just been super disruptive to boxing, just even on their purse bids and stuff for fights and what they're putting money in. It's crazy. Um, and it's funny too, because like six degrees of Ryan Kavanaugh, who is uh, the guy leading this thing, uh, he used to own uh, or be the CEO of Relativity Media. And when I brought back MLW uh, in 2017, I met with his team uh, out in Beverly Hills, and they were very much seriously looking at taking an equity stake in MLW. And then literally two weeks later, they went bankrupt. <laughs> so I was like, huh, go figure. Uh, didn't see that one coming. Uh, is that an, uh, what that's, what, what kind of sign is that? But it, we met with their sports group and these, they had, it was such an, I mean, Ryan Kavanaugh built an amazing business. The, the relativity TV at one point had like 40 shows on the air. So they saw a way to put us in the pipeline and shop us there. They had a sports kind of group or agency that repped a lot of NBA guys. They had the music division, the film division. And it, I mean, he's a very ambitious guy. Uh, and very much, very much from everything I've heard from everyone that's dealt with him on Triller too, it's like very much a true promoter in a lot of ways. So uh, I bet there'll be stories and there should be documentaries for some time to come. But uh, he knows how to get things uh, to be loud and noisy and he knows how to create very interesting properties. It's, it's, it's interesting too because Triller really was kind of last August, like had this hot streak where it was going to replace TikTok. And, uh, the, the, uh, the current government here in the States decided that TikTok was going to go away. It didn't happen. But for like a few weeks, the Triller app was going to be the, the successor to it. And now it's pivoting. It's like people don't even think really about Triller as a social media TikTok app. They think of it as Triller Fight Club. And they're doing, I think they did it last week or this week, and they're doing a concert in Miami, just music. That's right, yeah. So it's in and now they've acquired the uh, software, the IP for the software for from Fight, and they're in a partnership there. So it's like they're making very interesting moves. They're very disruptive in, in an interesting way. That's I, I love watching. If you're a fan of the business, if you're in the business and you know at an executive level, Triller is a really great case study. It's the most fascinating case study to me of the last year, and it's, it's just seeing its success. And there's a lot to be learned, a lot of good and bad there, but. Uh, I love that. I think it's a wild experiment. So I'm a, I'm along for the ride for now. Well, we'll end off on this because in October of 2017, it was a wild experiment when you brought back MLW with a show that was appropriately named Never Say Never. If I were well, to have... one shot, one shot. Never oh, sorry, never one was... shot. You're right. You're right. One <laughs> shot, which is even more appropriate. That on that night, if you were to be asked, what is the hope here? What Define success for MLW in 2017. Um, what would it have been versus today, where it you are several deals deep and uh, continuing moving forward? Was this even a glimmer in 2017 a best case scenario? I think the outcome was uh, I would get Wale and uh, MSL off my back about doing one more show and tell them, "Look, we did it. We're done." Um, and the experience for me and working with the talent and, and connecting again with the fans, which started with the podcast, started with Bauer and Pollock and, and doing those kind of things. I didn't expect it to reignite my, my, my passion for the business. I mean, I left wrestling in 2007 and I didn't return in any real capacity until late 2013, 2014, when I, I briefly consulted for ring of honor. Uh, and, 
I never thought I'd, I'd be promoting a show in 2017. And I thought, okay, we're going to get, get this out of the system and go back to being a normal civilian. And, 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 and that's that three weeks later, we're in conversations with VN sports about doing a deal and things just started to move at such a fast pace. And, you know, we had a business plan and kind of a pathway to it. And what you look at for what a business plan was in 2017, in terms of what did, what, how, what, you know, what, what are your revenue streams and the meteorites versus what it is today and how critical meteorites, they've always been critical, but now it's like just, it is the profit center for, for any, uh, combat sports league, really. And ticket sales are, are key too, but it really is the meteorites deal. So, to be able to have kind of ended up on a path where here we are all these things, just four years later, we're now on Vice TV uh, when you have two billionaires going at it, a uh, multi-multi-millionaire in Canada uh, with his own network uh, doing their thing, and then a multi-billionaire, a multi-billion dollar company out of Baltimore with their company, and we're, we're finding our way through this. And it's like, you know, if you had told me that's the landscape in 2021, I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to go and uh, get a frozen daiquiri and hang out on the beach. You let me know. And, uh, well, I'll be here waiting for you, but, uh, you know, we've found our way and, and now we're in a position where we're able to, uh, grow the company. And I've always said to the talent, you know, take a risk on us. Uh, and initially we're not going to be able to pay you a lot, but as we grow, you'll grow. And guys like that to Hammerstone, uh, Richard holiday, Myron Reed, uh, all these guys in the last year, they re-upped with us. They had very competitive times. They had offers and interests elsewhere. They they re-upped with us because the system worked for them, but also we were able to make good on that promise. We will grow with you if you grow with us and, and financially give them more. And and so that goes for the production, editors, everyone's like, we're not going to be able to be the biggest, sexiest thing in that capacity day one. But if you're if you're in this and you enjoy this and the system is for you, we will, we will, we will go the distance with you in every sense. And so I'm, I'm just from guys like Lawler and Dominic Carini, uh, to have all these guys in the company, uh, and they do such an incredible job to have everyone just grow with us has been great. And so, uh, we're, we're, despite all the competition, you know, we're going to have our most prosperous, most successful year this year, uh, coming out of a, a pandemic where how can anyone from a, operational or creative perspective have a, a guidebook for how you navigate that um and so we're just we're excited about the next chapter i think the world's excited about the next chapter go back to some form of normalcy and so uh that's that's the next step for us is just kicking things off july 10th seeing fans back there and uh doing what we do uh for someone like me creatively to to do a product without the ability to book heat because all i know is to book heat when you have no crowd, you have it's hard to do that. So a lot of things that we were doing during that era, just to elongate things, you know, will be, will be nice to go back to what I do best and book the kind of product I book because uh, I know if we had to kind of stretch things out. And so now it's like let's go from you know going 30 miles per hour to 200 miles per hour. I'm I'm excited for it as long as uh, those Aztec Underground guys don't get in my way. Well, you guys, uh, the season finale uh, wrapped up. Uh, I, I thought like a really enjoyable episode this week. If you want to kind of uh, catch up on what the big stories will be when they uh, resume their next season. Uh, of course, Saturdays at noon, you can watch MLW on Vice TV now. Fusion will continue to be airing on Wednesday nights on FUBU Sports and the MLW YouTube channel, as well as BN Sports that you can catch it. And then 
everything, I guess, is geared towards July 10th, the 2300 Arena, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, MLW's first show in front of fans in 13 months. Oh, since, well, the last show was in Tijuana, March 13th, the, the morning oh, more, that more uh, the that, NBA. More than that. Yeah, the morning of that, the NBA shut down uh, basketball, and everyone's like, okay, NBA shutting down. We're all done. <laughs> it's crazy. Court, uh, thank you so much for taking all this time to uh, bring us up to speed, answer all of our questions. We really appreciate the time, and uh, I hope we can uh, do this uh, sooner rather than later. It was great to catch up with you. Hey, always a pleasure, and uh, let's do this more often.